Well, hey there, my name is Jen, and I'd like to welcome you to this special edition of the Pops Podcast. The following is a message recorded at the Hymns and Hope on July 17th. Hymns and Hope is a gathering that falls under Big C Ministries, which means that people from all Christian churches are welcome to attend. Today's message was given in two parts from our friends Mary and Seth. Lean in to what you are about to hear and let it grow you. I know it grew me. Hey, I'm so excited to be here today. I'm just thinking about what I was going to share today, and I just thought about what's significant in my own faith journey right now. So God has me on this path right now uh, for the last five years of coming to know him. I know this is going to sound really simple, but just coming to know him deeply and personally. And um, I'm pretty sure that all throughout my journey, I have used the language of personal relationship with God, um, and I was that, right? I had a personal relationship with God. I'd gone beyond a religious construct. I had lots of things that I was doing, spiritual habits, and I had a really strong first love experience with Jesus all through my 20s. I studied theology, worked in ministry, and I just loved Jesus. He's been the rock and the foundation of my life ever since I can remember. So I was as strong of a Christian as I knew how to be. And I think that's where I find many people in their journey right now. They're living into as much as they understand about what this life is all about, this Christian life, this experience of God. But something began to shift for me about five years ago as I began praying more consistently and in larger blocks of time, specifically for the ministry that God had entrusted to me. And I began to realize that this partnership with God was not only necessary but possible, especially for what I was being called to. So prayer just became a more intentional rhythm in my life and and a focused part of my life. And something beautiful happened in that space For me, the more time I spent with God, the more I was just drawn to being there. I don't know if you you know what that feels like, but I was just drawn to being in the presence of God. He began to speak to me about knowing him and loving him from this really authentic place of experiencing him, not just talking about it. And I felt like we've done that a lot. I feel like sometimes we do that a lot. We talk about the Bible. We talk about this experience of God. We memorize scriptures, but are we living in that reality of God. And throughout this whole time, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians has been holding some touchstone scriptures for me and life-changing principles that I've learned from that book. And what I've realized is I talk to many people about their faith journey. People are living what we consider good Christian lives, but they're not experiencing the love and the power and the real movement of God in their lives. So I'm going to share something today from my thoughts on Ephesians 3 as a springboard to talking about something that's really in my heart, which is prayer and presence of God. Um, So let's look at at, uh, Ephesians 3. I don't know if you have it somewhere on your sheet there, but I'm going to read it, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit and just see where that takes us. So Paul's praying, right? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What a posture, right? Gosh, if we don't get on our knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Paul gets before God and he prays for the Ephesian church and the people in some really interesting ways. He prays that you'll be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
So only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we have this power. And he's dealing with our inner man, our heart issues. Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit does something inside of us so that we'll be changed. And this is key. This is all about transformation. So many people pray for changes in behaviors, right? That my kid will stop drinking or doing drugs. My spouse will start reading the Bible. People will just stop saying hurtful things and being divisive. All these behavior things. And even when we talk about growing in faith, so many times we're talking about managing behaviors. You know, you got to read the Bible more. you got to do more. you got to observe all of that. We don't get to the heart of the issue. We deal with the symptoms. And Paul is talking about the heart issue right here. Let's look at the prayer a little closer. So he's praying for this power in the inner places. This is the inner places, right? So that, for a progression of reasons, so that Christ dwells in your heart. And I, thought, I found that interesting. I'm like, well, Christ already dwells in my heart, Paul. Like, why are you praying that? Well, I think it's a matter of the fullness of how God resides in your heart. So think of your spiritual self as a room. Does Jesus own the room or is he just in a corner somewhere in there? And I think that's what Paul's saying here, that Christ will dwell in your hearts more fully, that he begins to expand the tent, right, of your heart, and he takes up more and more room. So Christ dwelling in your hearts, that you are rooted and grounded in love. God, would you just give him roots, just sticking deep in you that will keep you in place when everything comes along, all the storms. The love of Christ is deep in you. It's like the farmer in the seeds. The farmer scatters the seeds and some fall on ground where there's no roots. So they land on rocks. It never penetrates anything. So the winds come and they blow and they're just gone because they were never rooted. And that's what Paul's praying for, rooted in the love of God so that you may be strong enough to comprehend the breadth, length, height, and depth of the love of God. So Paul is asking that we be strengthened in this inner place so that you can comprehend or grasp or hold what will be poured into you. Think of a container that has to be big enough and strong enough to hold what's going to be poured into it. That's how I think of of this passage. Yeah, he dwells in our hearts, but the experience of God is what he wants to increase. The experience of God. We have so much knowledge, so much facts. It's the experience of God and the love of God, the depth of it for us. I think so many of us, we intellectually understand the love of God. We're told it so many times. God loves you, brother. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so. But do we really understand that? I mean, we kind of get it. And so we kind of follow. And we're kind of changed a little bit. But what if we really got it? That would really change us. And I think that's the miracle that Paul's praying for. He's not praying for, in this passage, a manifestation of something external. He's praying for that miracle of the heart to be changed and transformed, to understand the deep, deep love of God. And here's what he says, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Does that strike you as strange? How do I know something that I can't know? Well, what does he mean by that? Those are two different words in that passage. The knowledge that he's talking about is a scientific type of knowledge where you can learn from a book. You can figure it out in your head. The word to know is a different word, and it's that, it's that intimate knowledge that you can only get by revelation so that I can actually understand in the depths of my being what I can't know in my head. i got to get past my head and into this deep inner space that he's talking about. We sometimes um, use the word intimacy. That's what, that's what he's talking about here. And sometimes that word feels uncomfortable. 
when we talk about Jesus and being intimate with God. But, you know, it's been co-opted by our culture so much to hint at something sexual. But the intimate love of God is all about being known and knowing. It's knowing someone beyond what they say and being known and loved no matter what. I want to be known. It's just built in me. But being known, it's not about me explaining myself. It's about someone spending time with me and learning me and the way that my heart beats, that they get me. And it's kind of like that as in prayer. Paul's like, I pray that they get it, that they get you, God. That they experience love at a deep, deep level. And if they got it, nothing else would matter. And that's the truth of the love of God. Nothing else matters once you get it. So he's praying that, that God dwells in your, Christ dwells in your heart more, that you're rooted in that love, that you can expand and, and, and experience more of that love of God beyond your head, and here's the kicker, so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. This is the coolest part of the whole passage. It's the end game in the prayer to be full of God. Isn't this what the process of sanctification is all about anyway? Becoming more like Jesus as we experiencing his love? This is the overflow life. When you're so filled with God that it starts to shift your soul to align with his thinking and his heart, and you become more and more like him. Your actions will follow because you begin to love from the heartbeat of God. To be filled with the fullness of God, when I thought of that, I thought, huh, what's the opposite of full? It's empty or shallow. I'm just going to let that word sit. <laughs> All of what he says is toward the end goal of not being shallow, but experiencing a fullness, a depth of God in the core of our being. And at the end of the progression, you are a mature, sort of complete person full of the life of God. When people describe you, do they describe you as someone who is filled with the fullness of God? When I read this passage, it makes me want to be that person. I, I want to be the answer to Paul's prayers. And I don't know what your goal is. Like My goal is not to be known. My legacy is not to be a, a good teacher or a leader or even a great mom. I hope that my legacy is like this prayer. Stephanie Gretzinger sings a song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus, and it's a heart song. And if you haven't, I don't know, if you haven't listened to that song, just take some time with it. But she has a line in there, and she says, Let my children tell their children, and let this be their memory, that all my treasure was in heaven, and he was everything to me. And that's how I feel about God. I want to be so filled with the fullness of God that people just say, That girl's not normal. She's not normal. The way she prays and acts is not normal. I'm not of this world. I am filled with the fullness of God. Can we not paint a picture to the world of shallow, normal Christianity? We need to show the supernatural power of God that will change a life like mine and yours. And Paul knew that if the church operated in that kind of experience of God, the world would be changed forever. And he was right. So let me share something that I think might help understand what Paul is praying for. you gotta, you got to properly divide soul and spirit, right? So we are made of spirit, soul, body. And your spirit is the thing that's been made new when you receive Jesus. You're a new creation in Christ. Your spirit's been perfected in Christ. But even though your spirit has been purified, renewed, transformed, your soul can be a bit of a mess, right? Your soul is the mind, will, emotions, and that's where the place can, all these things can reside. Your soul can have bitterness and hurt. Your soul can have sin and strongholds. Your soul 
can have fears and faulty beliefs about God and of yourself. Your soul can feel condemnation and shame. And sanctification, this process of becoming like Jesus, it's just simply becoming who you already are in the Spirit. The rest of your soul and body falls in line. You've got to work out in the realm of the soul what has already taken place to your spirit because of the work of Jesus. I believe Paul is talking about the soul, the inner you, the wrestling part of you, the wounded part of you, the part of you that battles the flesh. These are the places that we have to have his love revealed to us because maybe we don't believe it. Maybe we don't believe that we're loved or that God is good or that he's even paying attention to what we're doing down here. And here's one of the things that I love about Paul, one of the many things I love about Paul. He prayed for this because he knew he couldn't do anything to make this happen. He knew that only the Holy Spirit could reveal this to someone and give us the strength to live in it. I mean, yes, he taught and he ministered to the needs. He loved people, but in the end, Paul prayed. He knew it wouldn't be the perfect sermon or the perfect program. He says, for this reason, I get on my knees. It's just a posture of surrender. God, I am bowing on behalf of these people. I get on my face, bowing before God, praying on behalf of you, that you would be strengthened and rooted in the love of God. There is a power in prayer that we have to trust. There's power in the Holy Spirit that we have to trust. That's where the stuff happens. It's getting on our knees and asking him to open the eyes of hearts. Even in Ephesians 1, Paul says, God, would you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. May he give you, to give you. It's not something I can give you by explaining it. God, could you just give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, just like in Ephesians 3, that he may grant you to be strengthened. God grants to a person, God gives to a person. This has to be done supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. It has to be. He will open the eyes of our heart. Same sort of inner space that we're talking about in Ephesians 3. And I just pray that, like, God, we need enlightened in the inner places. There is darkness, and we need light. God, somehow in the inner person, will you just turn on a light? That's something I don't see, I begin to see in a different way. That's revelation. By the Spirit's power. I can do nothing to get it. we got to get before God if we're going to experience that for other people, but also for just our own deepening knowledge and understanding of God and intimacy with God. Aren't you tired of seeing and experiencing shallow love and shallow Christianity, of lives that never change and of faith that lacks power? I am. You know, do you ever just read the Bible and go like, that's not my experience? Or you look at what's going on in one of your local churches and you're like, that doesn't look like what I see in the Bible. Why not? Why not? Listen, I don't want some of what God has for me. I hope you don't either. We've been given the whole package. We have been given everything that we need. Every spiritual blessing in the heavens to do what God has called us to do. I want to experience true moments. Like these real moves of God not something we talk about where people walk up an aisle and pray. I'm talking about a real move of the Spirit of God where we just sit there and we know the love of Christ because God reveals it to us. I love 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, the whole stinking chapter, right? It's just Paul talking about our access to God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, in the presence of God, we can be transformed. Do you believe that? Here's what he says, and we with unveiled vases, the veil is gone, complete access to the Lord. And we with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, just there, I'm just there, beholding and experiencing your glory. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The presence of God is transformational. We become what we behold. We become what we behold. In the presence of God, he can do deep things in my soul. Sometimes I'm not even where they need to be done. There's a book I'm reading right now by a guy named Dr. Rob Reamer, and he works a lot in the area of deliverance and soul care. And he says this, his presence accesses the deep recesses in the basement of my soul, and he changes me. God whispers about his love for me, and the revelation of his voice in his presence is transformational. Just hearing from God moves me. It changes me. One word from God changes a life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister love to our hearts and just create some space for God to reveal himself and his love to you. This is why time alone with God is so crucial to your spiritual development. Only God can change your heart. You need revelation to experience transformation. And too often, we talk about the presence and power of God and we see no demonstration of it. That is not true in the early church. And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he said, My message wasn't with wise and persuasive words. It's not about sermons. It's not another talk. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. That is what we need. We need the presence and the power of God to be demonstrated in our midst today, not just in our theology, but in our reality. Let's not just talk about it. We need to carry the presence and power of God in us. When you carry it, you can impart it. But you got to carry it first, and you can't carry it until you're there, before the face of God. When you get past head knowledge and to this place, it's so free. It's so very free. It's a place where you can live and move and be what you were meant to be. You don't have to think about things like, what's my purpose calling destiny? You just walk in it. You don't have to think about living the fruits of the Spirit. You just do it. You don't have to have your mind renewed constantly because you're just having the mind of Christ. You don't need to ask what would Jesus do. You just do it. That's walking in the ways of God. It's a journey and a process, but that goal is attainable. Otherwise, Paul would not have prayed for it. It's attainable. These days that we're living in right now, they are so pregnant with possibility, but also with fragility. It is a crazy time in the church, but so filled with possibility. But these days, I believe, church, they require waiting on God and being renewed in his presence. we got battles ahead that I believe will be fierce. And I think it's going to require the true worshipers of God to rise up. Those people are the people that sit before God. And they hear from him. So, so I don't want to just talk a whole lot more. I just want us to experience God together a little bit. But before I do, I just want to share this with you. 
Um, back in the Old Testament, when the priesthood of Aaron was being contested, and I don't have time to go through all that, so I hope you know the story, um, God kind of offered a suggestion, right? And he's like, take the 12 staffs from the 12 leaders and put them in the tabernacle, and we'll see what happens the next morning. And the tabernacle, remember, is the presence of God, where the presence of God resides. And overnight, one of those staffs buds. It actually gets buds and leaves. A dead piece of wood blossoms and sprouts. I love this story because I believe there's a principle to hold on to here. If you get into the presence of God, the dead things come to life again. The dead things come to life again. Those things that you quit on, those things that just don't seem to ever change, the places where you've lost hope, they can come alive again. Can you imagine how the world would change if we all spent significant time on the mountain with God and in the presence of God. Do it. He'll change you in the inner places. He will strengthen you to know his love. He will fill you to the brim with himself. Transformation can't happen by you trying harder, but it can happen as we surrender to him and as we connect to his heart. So here's what I'd like us to do. I, I just want the power of God to move here today. I know there are some times where we pray for external manifestations of the Spirit, but today, can we just pray that something inward would change? This inner part that Paul's talking about, like the, the connection with God where I don't want anything else but to be with Him. Something that happens where nobody else sees it. And I know that in this crowd that there have been weeks, months, maybe years, maybe never, that you've had an experience with God. And sometimes, you know, we fall on this place that we can pretend. We can actually fake it a little bit. No one's going to question you, but you know it. You know it inside. If you've spent that time with God, if you've sensed his presence, if you've felt changed in a moment. And we sung about these things earlier today. I just love being with God. It's that, it really is that simple and he changes you. You know, I, I don't think it's any any accident that we're in a tent today because let's just call it a tent of meeting, right? Let's call it that and let's meet with God. So Ellie's going to play and I want to open some space where we don't talk to each other and we're not praying ministry prayer. Just whatever issues you have, whatever thought. Could you just picture yourself walking up the mountain to encounter God like Moses did? You know, if you need to separate yourself, go, I don't know what that takes, but just... I'm going to pray that God would connect with you right now where deep calls out to deep and your spirit is becoming one with him. Just picture yourself face to face with the one who knows everything about you. And let's just spend some unhurried time here. And then I'll, I'll close us in prayer at some point. knees today before the Father in heaven and I pray God that by the power of your spirit you would strengthen our inner self God would you do something inside of us so that we could understand 
encounter and just stand up under the weight of your glory and the love of God. Would you root us deeply in the truth of how much you love us, God? We used to expand our ability to experience you so that we are filled with the fullness of everything that you are. God, would you fill us so full that we just comes out of our pores and people know you because they know us God would you change me first and all the things that my soul still wrestles with God I just take it to you God would you transform change would you make me different God and every single person in this place God would you change us more of you. Pour it out, God. Would this place be holy ground today, Lord? In Jesus' name. sheep, but that's okay. We're just going to continue in a heart of worship. Oh, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. And I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. There is nothing like your love. There is nothing like your love.
Jesus, we worship you. And we declare hallelujah, Jesus. Worthy is the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. Father, we thank you that you knew that by creating this world that it would cost you your son. But you still created us because you're a loving father. Hallelujah, worthy is the lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Jesus, you're the hope of the world. Jesus, we welcome your presence here. We thank you that you promised us another comforter. You promised us another counselor. You promised us the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here. We welcome your presence, Holy Spirit. We say, make your presence manifest among us. Let us see your glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, we submit to you. We surrender all to you. We declare you are the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. We put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. We worship you and you alone. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are holy. Jesus, your blood is enough. Jesus, your blood has cleansed us from all of our sin. Jesus, your blood has healed us from all of our infirmity, all of our shame, all of our iniquity. Lord Jesus, your blood is enough to set this world on fire with the love of God. We submit to you, Jesus. We surrender all to you, Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to be with you here today. I think that Jesus is setting you up for a one-two punch in the Holy Spirit. I don't think that God is a God of coincidence. I think he's a God of destiny and purpose. And I think that when I walked into Pray America yesterday and got on the elevator with Mary and met her for the first time, it was like God was lining us up in that moment to put us on a Holy Spirit assignment for this day. I met her on the elevator yesterday for the first time. And I'm just here to declare to you today that the Holy Spirit is speaking. He has affirmed the word that he has given me through the word that he gave her. And so I'm here to declare to you that God is going to speak to you. If you would just be open to receive and believe the message of hope that God has for you. What I want to challenge you with today is get your hopes up. All right, I want you to get your hopes up. A lot of times the world will tell you, don't get your hopes up. Well, I'm here to come against the world and to say, get your hopes up. The best place you could put your hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, can we have a little fun today? I love it when the people of God will preach the living word with me. Will you help me preach this word today? If you will, say amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. If you're a little louder, I'll preach a little shorter. But if you're too quiet on me, I'm telling you, I'm just going to keep preaching until somebody falls out the window. Okay. And so let's get into the living word of God. I believe that the Holy Spirit has set you up for one, two punch. In fact, he might have set you up for a three piece, you know. He came with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit today, all right? So he's going to totally wreck everything about what you thought you came here for today because his presence is here. Wherever Jesus shows up, he changes everything. Amen? Amen. Can we believe that in faith together, people? All right, amen, amen. I had a great conversation with a crack addict the other day. It was a beautiful time with Jesus just watching him give hope to this woman 
through his eyes coming through my eyes. And you know when you're talking to somebody about faith in Jesus and turning and repenting from their sin and turning to the only one who can heal them from within, you can see the hope in their eyes begin to well up. And the excuses and the arguments of, I don't know if I should really give my heart to Jesus because I'm going to go home and stab him in the back because I'm all tied up in this addiction. I don't know, I don't know if I want to do that to Jesus and to say, well, we already pierced him on the cross and we already stabbed him in the side. And so he already declared, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the hope of the world reached out to that woman in that moment and said, come home, daughter. Come home to your father, Jesus. And she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. This is why we're still here in the world. Amen. Amen. This is what it's about is is being about the kingdom business of Jesus to seek and to save that which is lost. So I'm here for two kinds of people today. I'm here for people who are far from Christ. You might have been in church all your life, but just because you're in McDonald's doesn't mean you're a cheeseburger. And so just like you're in church, that doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. And so I'm after you today. If you, if you have never really surrendered your life to Jesus, today is your day. Now is the day of salvation in Jesus' name. And I'm after another group, and it's the hungry warriors, the people who, who want to be set on blaze by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and be obedient to this thing we call the living word. You know, Jesus is a living hope. He's not a dead hope. He's a living hope, it says in the word. And so I want to say, get your hopes up. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get your hopes up. All right, now turn to the other neighbor, the one you really wanted to talk to, and tell him, get your hopes up. All right, boys, this is the time to talk to that girl you want to talk to, okay? Get your hopes up. Today we're talking about getting your hopes up, and we're going to look at the person of Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me for using a lot of scripture while I try to preach the word of God. But we're going to dive into the scripture here today. John chapter 1, verse 32. You know, the backdrop of this is that Jesus was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. So when Jesus came to John, John was like, I can't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, we should do this to fulfill all righteousness. And so John's like, okay. And he baptizes Jesus. And when he baptizes Jesus in the water and Jesus comes up out of the water, this amazing thing happens where the Spirit of God comes from heaven and descends from heaven in bodily form like a dove, and it lands on Jesus, and the Father's voice declares, this is my Son, who I love. With him, I am well pleased. So Jesus Christ, fully man, was baptized in a a baptism of repentance. So he identified with sinful man in this moment. And as he came up out of that water, identifying with sinful men, the Holy Spirit came on him and empowered him for his ministry that would come ahead. After this, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted, and he resisted by the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then God set off his public ministry where he was out there preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing the sick, casting out devils, and proclaiming the year of Jubilee. We live in the year of Jubilee, the year of freedom, y'all. Did you know that? Jesus has come to set you free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So in John chapter 1, Verse 32, here's what it says. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not know except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that the man who you see the spirit come down and remain on is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the son of God. 
So Jesus, at this moment, he was baptized with water. But as he came up out of that water, the spirit of God descended on him like a dove and it lit on him. He's glowing and it remained on him, it says from that day forward. John 1, 32. It remained on him. So the spirit of God was walking with Jesus as he was walking as a man. This is amazing. Jesus walked fully and totally dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. He took on all the limitations of humanity so that he could die for the sins of mankind. Jesus didn't die as God. He died as a man, okay, fully God and fully man, but he died as a man and he took on the sins of the world as a man so that he could be the payment for our sin. And so Jesus Christ is the perfect model for the life that he's calling us to live here in 2021. Isn't that good news? Get your hopes up, y'all. Jesus wants to do great things through your life. Get your hopes up. Turn to your neighbor and say, get your hopes up. Y'all a little too quiet for me. You better start speaking up or I'm going to keep on preaching. All right, so get your hopes up. Jesus performed all of his miracles by the authority given to him by God the Father, the assignment from God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in line with the word of God. Amen? If you want to know Jesus' gospel, he went to his hometown in Nazareth. There he couldn't do many miracles because faith was low. He couldn't do many miracles because Jesus' love language is faith. If you want to see miracles, you got to have faith because he just loves faith and he breathes on faith and he, and he anoints faith with power because this is our partnership with God. And so he shows up in his hometown and this is what Jesus said he came to preach. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, Jesus declares here that he's able to step into this public ministry that God gave him because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he calls us to do the same. Here's what I believe. At the moment that you're born, you have a body. Let's say this bottle is your body. Inside of your body is your spirit. Okay, this bottle represents your body, your soul, your mind, your emotions, your personality, all the things that can be contaminated. So you're born with a contaminated spirit. It's full of sin. But Jesus came as a spotless lamb of God, pure and holy, tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted to sin, but yet without sin. And so when Jesus' life was poured out on the cross, when they nailed him to the cross, when his blood was poured out on the cross, Jesus poured his life into your life. And when Jesus pours his cleansing blood into your blood, he actually anoints you with the Holy Spirit and your spirit and the spirit of Jesus become one. And so the more that you allow Jesus to pour over your life, now all of a sudden your body can't contain a move of God on your life and you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you were a bunch of kids, I would throw this water at you and say right now you have the power and the presence of Jesus living inside of you to be able to anoint an environment to be able to anoint a people with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, wherever Jesus shows up, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? Amen. You ever dap somebody up who's a little greasy? There's a lot of white people here, so probably not. But when you, when you spot some, some people up and they've just lotioned themselves, okay, and when you, when, you, when you do that, what happens? You get a little bit on you, and you're like, I hope that was lotion, okay? Or maybe somebody just comes out the bathroom and they wash their hands, and they're like, I hope that's soap and water, <laughs> okay? You understand what I'm talking about now, right? 
when we walk around as followers of Jesus, when people bump up against us and they come up against our body, it should be that whenever we, they squeeze us and they persecute us, the love of Jesus just comes out. That's all that's in us. All that we have in our body is the love of Jesus because we've been cleansed by the blood of the lamb. Amen? All right, I'm going to stop with preaching and get to my word because I got some scripture for you today. If you don't believe me, believe Jesus. Believe the word of God. This was the message that Jesus proclaimed from Isaiah 61 in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Holy Spirit is the most powerful person on the earth. You know, I, I believe a lot of churches believe in a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. And we forget the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the most powerful person on the earth. You don't have to be afraid of him. He is in love with you. He has good things for you. This is good news. Amen? Get your hopes up. So if you will, turn with me to the scriptures in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, 7, and 8. It says this, he called to himself 12 disciples. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. In verse 7. He said, as you go, preach this message, the message of the kingdom. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. This is the good news of the kingdom that Jesus preached. Jesus preached that he has a kingdom, and his kingdom will come, and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Get your hopes up. We want to see the kingdom of God here and now and also then and later. Amen? This is the message that Jesus came to preach, that we could be used by God to open blind eyes, physically blind, spiritually blind, emotionally blind, eyes be open in the name of Jesus, that we could be used to heal lepers and all kinds of chronic diseases by the powerful name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. You know, Jesus was struck for our sin, but also for our sorrow and our pain, our infirmities, okay, our sicknesses. In Isaiah chapter 53, Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sickness, our shame, our sin, and our infirmities. Jesus came that we might have life and have it fully. And so we are given the power and the authority to preach the good news of the kingdom. All healing flows from the name of Jesus. All healing flows from the person of Jesus Christ. I don't have the power to heal. You don't have the power to heal. But the Holy Spirit has the power to heal. Jesus has the power to heal. I was in Morogoro a couple years ago, and we prayed for a blind man. And this blind man came to one of the street outreaches, and we prayed for him. And I had a friend that actually said to me the night before, I've never really seen a healing miracle. I just really want to see this healing miracle take place just so that my faith increases. And so, so as, he, as we came into the street ministry that day, this blind man was there, and he said, Seth, can you come pray for him? And Holy Spirit, based on our conversation the last night, said to me, you don't pray for that man. Let Matt pray for him. And I'm telling you, I've never seen a blind eye open at this point in my life. I wanted to pray for the man. I wanted to see Jesus do this even to help build my own faith. And so out of obedience to the Holy Spirit who spoke in that moment, my friend prayed for this man with the blind eyes. And as he prayed, he commanded, be healed in the name of Jesus. 
All of a sudden, this Muslim man had a big smile on his face, and he looked up and he said, I can see the mountains in the distance. They're a little bit blurry, but I can see the mountains in the distance. And so then we continued to pray, and, I, and we had him read some, some text on the outside of a booklet like this and said, can you read this? And he couldn't read it. So we prayed again, be healed in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he was able to, to read the bigger print out on the outside of the Bible or out of the outside of the, the gospel track. And we celebrated and we praised God. But then we turned to the inside and we said, can you read this font right here? And he's squinting and he can't read that font. So we, we prayed again, be healed in the name of Jesus. And God clears up his eyes just a little bit more. Now, there's, there's a place for this in Scripture where Jesus was healing the blind man. And he saw men like trees. Okay, they were a little fuzzy in the distance. And then he prayed again and it was completely cleansed and healed his eyes. And so I figured if Jesus has two times, we have at least a dozen to go after this thing if, if we need to. And so finally, we look at the smallest font and we say, can you read this? He says, no, I can't. We pray again, be healed in the name of Jesus. And Jesus came down and opened the blind eyes of that man. And more importantly, opened his spiritual eyes where he was able to declare as a Muslim man, taking off his prayer hat, I surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who heals blind eyes and he's the one who saves my life. And I'm surrendering to the King Jesus. Amen. That's a way better, that's a way better story than you're giving, giving praise to God for. I'm telling you, God heals blind eyes. God still moves in the world today. Amen? Amen. So Jesus has come to empower us to live out the ministry that he lived while he was here, that he passed to his disciples, and the disciples passed on to us. Listen, you don't have to take my word for it. I'm just sharing my testimony. I was raised as a cessationalist. I was raised and then kind of transitioned into dispensationalist. If you know anything about cessationalism, it believes that there's no longer any gifts of the Spirit in this way. And so this has been my journey for the past five years, stepping out, preaching the gospel, and having this question, what if, Jesus, you want to do this today? What if you want to do this today? And as I've gone into a baseball gym and I had a kid tell me that he had a spirit of suicide and then I had enough faith and, and maybe it's a little bit radical, but I had enough faith to take authority in Jesus name and command that spirit of suicide. I bind up a spirit of suicide right now in Jesus name and I command a spirit of suicide to get out of here in Jesus name that all of a sudden this boy felt something happen in his body and he lifted his shirt and he said something left and he had three scratch marks on the back of his back. And so I said to him, that's a spiritual wound. So we're going to pray that the healer would come and just touch that. And as we prayed to the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus came and cleansed him of those three scratch marks. And they completely were healed in Jesus name right here in America. Sometimes we think that this all just happens overseas or we think this all just happens in certain places and spaces. Jesus is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to move right here in Wexford, Pennsylvania, like he does in the streets of Tanzania. Jesus has come to set you free and freely as you have freely received. Now freely give in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God is good. His word is eternal. It stands firm. In heaven. I was actually just at the hospital the other day. My, my adopted son's mom broke her hip, and as I went to the hospital, she was out of her mind. She's a sweet woman, loves Jesus, and she was paranoid. She said, they're trying to kill me. The doctors are trying to kill me. They're watching me through the TV. They're tapping my cell phone. They're trying to take my contacts, all this stuff, and I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe it was the medication. People had all kind of explanation for it, 
And a few moments later, a practitioner of Reiki walks in the room. You all know what Reiki is? Reiki is a spiritual healing. It's, it's a Japanese, uh, you know, Eastern religion, spiritual healing thing that is absolutely of the devil. It's absolutely demonic. It's calling on peace and calm and healing from the universe, okay, otherwise known as demons, and asking that power or entity to come and touch somebody's body. And so I said, was this woman ever in your room before? She said, yeah, she was in here the other day. And so I don't know that Doreen was affected by some kind of spirit of Reiki that was messing with her mind and making her afraid of death. But all I know is that that's demonic. And so I'm going to sit here across over your hospital bed, if you'll let me, and I'm going to pray with authority and power that any spirit of Reiki would be gone in the name of Jesus. And for days, she's been paranoid. And maybe it's a coincidence, but as we prayed in the powerful name of Jesus and we believe that, that God has power over every ruler and every, every authority and over every spiritual force of evil, Doreen came back to her right mind in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. He's on the move. He's moving today. And we walk around and get a pamphlet from AGH and think, okay, if AGH says it's okay, maybe it's okay. Ricky is from the pit of hell. We need to repent as a people. We need to repent as a nation. We need to put our hope and our trust in the Lord. He's the only one who could save. Jesus has come to freely give himself to you, to pour out his life in you so that you can freely give. Amen? If you would, turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 12 through 20. I'm not trying to convince you of anything today. I'm just trying to bring a little TNT, a little testimony, okay, and a little teaching, okay? I'm just going to bring a little testimony and teaching, and the Holy Scripture can blow it up if he wants to, right? So, so he, he can pop it off if he wants to in your heart and in your mind. I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but I'm just trying to share. This is what the Scripture says, and this is my experience of what I've seen God do in this generation, and I believe revival's coming to Pittsburgh. I believe in Jesus' name that when Jesus rolls in through our city, I just want to be able to grab the outer edge of his garment and ride the train with him and just come through the city and see him move with mighty power. And I'm just telling you, I want to be positioned in my right thinking and my right mind from my spirit to be able to see, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Amen. All right, well, John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, right? And as he, as he preaches that, and we get later into this, the text here, he says that Jesus, you know, words are not his own, that they're, they're actually the Father's words, okay? So he's setting people up to, to let them know that I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's trying to teach his disciples. And then in verse 12, I'm just going to read these this text here, and then we'll go back to it. In verse 12, it says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That's a big statement. <laughs> I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live 
you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is good news. I mean, these are big statements that we don't have time to break down, that you will do even greater things than these, that everything you ask in my name, that's according to my will. Everything that you ask according to the will of Jesus will be done. <laughs> that's a big promise. And so, so as we pray according to the Spirit, how the Spirit prays, then it is yes and amen. The promises of God are yes and amen. But what I really want to point out here is what Jesus is encouraging his disciples here in verse 17. If you look at verse 17, it says this, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. See, Jesus, as he went out with the 12 and he sent him out and said, as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, freely you have received, freely give, he gave them his authority. Where did his authority come from? It came from the descending of the spirit like a dove that lit on him and remained on him. So the spirit of God remained on Jesus. So when he walked around, he had the power and the authority to deputize his disciples and say, the spirit of God that is on me is on you. Now go out and cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. I've received freely from my Father in heaven. I freely give it to you, right? And so the 12 go out. Then he did the same thing with the 72. The 72 went out two by two, and they went out with the kingdom message, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing the sick, casting out devils. Check this out. This is amazing. Jesus is saying to his disciples, the world won't understand the Holy Spirit, but you will because he's been with you. You catching that? How has the Holy Spirit been with his disciples? Because Jesus has been with his disciples. And the Holy Spirit is upon Jesus. And as Jesus fulfilled the assignment that the Father gave him, he did it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's saying to them, look, I'm a human right now. I'm taking on flesh. I've limited myself as a man. And now everything that I do from assignment from the Father, I do through Holy Spirit. And so now he's saying, he who was with you will be in you. This is the age we live in. This is what happened in Acts chapter 2. This is actually what happened. You know, Mary talked about the veil being torn. The moment that Jesus died on the cross, he, he was nailed to the cross and, and he suffered and he suffocated and he died. And, and he said while he's on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But the moment he died on the cross... Heaven grabbed the curtain that used to hold the Holy of Holies in the temple, and, and it was a three-inch thick curtain. God grabbed it from the top and ripped it from top to bottom as if to say prophetically, I was dwelling here where only one man, the high priest, could come, and only once a year for the sins of the world to be into the presence of God. And I'm ripping this curtain as a way of just saying, no, my spirit will dwell in the hearts of man. I will come out and I will live in them. They will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. They will have the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It now lives in you. It lives in me as we surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we say, Jesus, I want to live for you. He says, good, because I got great things in store for you. Get your hopes up. I'm about to unleash myself in the world and I'm going to come through you. <laughs> this blows my mind. This blows my mind. I'm not angry at anybody, okay? <laughs> I love you all. I think we need to wake up and realize the power that's within us. 
trust that Jesus wants to move today, just like he did yesterday. Well, it's just for the 12. You know, there's only one Jesus will see it, maybe. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Says this. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus, help me to teach this. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He showed himself to over 500 people during that time frame. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Which gift? For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want it all. In Jesus' name. The amazing thing, if you read John 14, 15, and 16, this will blow your mind if you, if you just hover around this for a minute. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are perfectly one. And in those scriptures, John 14, 15, and 16, study it out. We're invited to become one with them. Amazing. I'm made one with Jesus himself. Now my spirit and his spirit have been made one in covenant together. So when I move according to his spirit, I'm really moving according to my true spirit, who I truly am. When I'm moving according to my true spirit as a child of God, I'm moving in the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we sometimes blame what's happening on the outside of the bottle and say, this is who we are. The devil would love you to believe you're the bottle and not the water. You following me? Throw that bottle to the side and let the water pour out. The blood of Jesus is most effective when it's poured out. If you haven't seen power in your life, when's the last time you shared the gospel with a lost person? I'm telling you, CFOs need Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, I was able to be in this leadership thing the other day, and this man confessed of addiction. He confessed of alcoholism. His marriage broke up. Now his girlfriend and him are breaking up and his kids. All this stuff is going on in his life. He needed hope, the hope of the world. His name is Jesus. And as he turned to Jesus, he felt something lift in his spirit. And now all of a sudden, this man's walking in freedom from addiction. This man's walking in freedom from shame. This man's walking in the knowledge that I need to get this relationship right first before I think about these relationships. And as a result, I believe that God's going to restore this man and his family and his children and his children's children. Amen? This is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And this is the power that Jesus has given us. In Acts chapter 2, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Jews, right? And you can read it. Read the book of Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God came upon the church, and thousands were added to their number. People were operating in miraculous gifts. They were giving with generosity. They had community. They had love. They were devoted to the word, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of the bread. These people were marked by God. When you're baptized, you know, baptism in that day was kind of like tie-dye, right? So it was like putting clothes into water, and when you put the clothes in, it comes out dyed, okay? And so it's like we're supposed to go into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he marks us. He's saying, these people were different.
Look at those tie-dye people over there. They're walking around. Something's going on. Something's electric about what's going on there. And it's not coming from some demon power. It's coming from the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, all I know is I had blind eyes and now I can see. All I know is I couldn't walk and now I can. All I know is my relationships were shattered and broken and now they're whole and healthy. All I know is that I was in financial despair and now I'm generous towards the kingdom of God. Amen? This is how Jesus changes us. And maybe it was just for 12 people. But maybe, just maybe, what if it's for Pittsburgh 2021? What if it's for you? What if it's for me? What if it's for all the followers of Jesus Christ? I find comfort from Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter baptized in the Holy Spirit, anointed. The same men that killed Jesus that he ran from and and hid because he was terrified. Now he's standing in front of them and he's saying, you who crucified him, repent, okay, and believe in the name of Jesus. And so God has given them this boldness and this passion and this fire. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. That's good news. And for those who are far off. Maybe that's talking about other people in that region at the time. That's great news. The Gentiles, Acts chapter 10 The Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. They had had a baptism of repentance, which meant they were going to heaven because they repented of their sin. They had salvation. And then Peter came to them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which gave them power to mobilize the church and to transform lives and to preach the good news of the kingdom. Acts chapter 10. So, okay, great. It's for the Jews. It's for their children. And it's for the Gentiles. It's for all the Gentiles. And for all who the Lord will call. Now, I don't know a lot about the original Hebrew and Greek, but I did have a professor who did, and he said, all is all that all means. (laughs) All means all, and that's all that all means. All right, so all who the Lord would call. I've heard the call of the Lord. Have you? I've heard the call of the Lord. Have you? I've heard the call of the Lord. Have you? Well, then we don't just receive a baptism of repentance where we're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We also receive a baptism of fire and of the Holy Spirit and of power to see the world changed by the powerful name of Jesus. I was just recently in, I'm going to close with this, I was just recently in Tanzania again, and uh, I was preaching in the streets there and saw God move in power, and then we had a tent just like this one that was behind the stage, but it's called the Freedom Tent, so it's not quite as orderly as this, Okay. Uh, What happens in the freedom tent is as you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ out in the field, demons don't like that. And so they start to throw people down and they scream and they start to try to distract away from the message. And they try to torment the person who's been caught up in witchcraft and generational sin and all this. And so my first year, a couple years ago, I was the demon carrier coordinator. I've never had that job description before, but that was a fun one. This year, I, I was overseeing the demon carrier coordinators and the freedom tent. Okay, And so I'm in this tent. And it's my job leaning on Jesus and and the power of the Holy Spirit to do spiritual triage where I'm like, okay, who is the most demonized? Who's beating up the most amount of people in this tent, basically? And so I went over to this one little girl. And as I went over to this one little girl, 
we took authority in Jesus' name. She was, had about five people on her. They couldn't hold her down. And, and so went over, took authority. Now all of a sudden, these demons who were thrashing and, and punching and scratching and trying to bite and claw had to come under the authority of Jesus. And as she laid there, we were able to call out those spirits, just like Jesus did. As we tried to cast them out and they wouldn't leave, we said, what is your name? Just like Jesus did to the man who said, Legion. And they spoke through this girl and they said what their name was. We took authority in Jesus' name and we were able to drive those spirits out. And this girl who was out of her mind, I mean, she tried to hurt me. Okay, she tried to hurt five or six different people who was out of her mind came to perfect peace. And then, here's the thing. When somebody comes to freedom, it's so important. You have to identify that spirit, bind it up, cast it out, and you got to fill them up in Jesus' name. Because the spirits, when they get cast out, they go to dry, arid places. And when they return, if they find that house cleaned out, put in order, and unoccupied, they bring seven of their friends that are worse than themselves. And so we knew at that moment we needed the leader to Jesus. She surrendered her heart to Jesus. She was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to stand her ground in a 97% Muslim community that's plagued with witchcraft and witch doctors on every corner. She was able to surrender her life to Jesus Christ and walk out of that tent in perfect peace with the love of God guarding her heart. The next day, she came to the festival and she sought me out and she tapped me on the shoulder and through the translator, she said, I went home last night and I have to tell you something. She said, my grandmother is the chief witch doctor in Ujiji. So she has offered human sacrifices. That's how deep into it she is. So she said, last night when you, you all were praying for me, my grandmother was at home and she had a little clay pot and she was trying to cast a spell on me because she knew I came to this Jesus festival and she was trying to cast a spell on the whole field. We had had witch doctors coming to the field every night. And so while she was trying to cast this spell on me, she said, this pot exploded in her hand. This is the power of God. He transcends time and space. And so as we were praying for this little girl, we had to fight hard for this little girl. But now I know it's because Jesus wasn't just setting her free. He was demonstrating his power to the witch doctor across town and saying, I'm the one who saves. I'm the one who heals. I'm the one who delivers by my mighty name in Jesus' name. Amen. It's amazing. Amazing. And so as we finished up praying all these witch doctors started to come onto the field as they did every night. We were there late into the night because this was a night where we just had to go to battle in Jesus' name. And as they came onto the field, my heart was struck with fear. I had my two sons with me. I'm thinking, I got to get out of here. There's only like five of us left. All these witch doctors, you know, my wife would want me to get the kids home. <laughs> you know, these thoughts. And so, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit was like, what are you afraid of? And so all I can say is this energy came upon me, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, and this excitement and joy. And we still had a lit up stage, and the field was completely dark, but the stage was lit. So I got up on stage, and even this was a prophetic anthem. I didn't sing it as good as Ellie, <laughs> but I sang, Hallelujah, with the growliest, most lost voice you could ever hear. And I just started proclaiming the name of Jesus. And then they still didn't leave. So I got on the drums and I started pounding, Yesu, Yesu, Yesu. And as I preached the name of Jesus and just proclaimed the name of Jesus, all the witch doctors left the field. And we were able to celebrate in the tent and worship our God. I want to spend some time here just to give God an opportunity to move.
But I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come for a few moments and move. I don't have any power. I don't have any special abilities. The only one who's amazing around here is Jesus. Uh, I love Jesus. And I believe he loves you so much. And I believe you should get your hopes up. That he wants to do bigger things in and through your life than you ever thought possible. I believe that Jesus wants to, to just not only fill you with his Holy Spirit, because at the moment of salvation, you have all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to have. He, he is with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But he also wants to anoint you. He wants to anoint you with power, power to testify, power to preach of the goodness of God, power to, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. None of us have this power, but Jesus has this power. And he moves right now in this generation through the Holy Spirit. So some of us need to, to get to know him, the Holy Spirit. We know the Father, we know the Son, but we need to have a relationship with the triune God, the Holy Spirit, as one of the persons of the Trinity. So what I want to do is just invite him to come. So if you would, just bow your heads with me. Jesus, would you just come? Would you come now in the presence of Jesus? I thank you for the word that Mary gave. I thank you for how the truth of your word stands that all power flows from intimacy. Our oneness with you is what brings power into our life. And so if there's just even one today that doesn't have true relationship with you, Jesus, they've never surrendered to you as Lord. Holy Spirit, draw them to yourself right now. Let them know that, Father, you sent Jesus to die on the cross, that while they were still sinners, Jesus came to demonstrate the Father's love and to die on the cross for their sins. And if there's anybody here today that has never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Today is the day for you. Now is the day of salvation. You're not promised another moment. You're not promised another day. The Holy Spirit draws you. Listen to his still, small voice. Say, today, Father, I want to be a part of your family. Jesus, today I want to surrender to you as my king and as my Lord. I want to speak to you, my friend. This is the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life, to surrender your heart over to God. If I came for no other reason, if Jesus sent me for no other reason, it was for you. You're the most important person in the room right now. Jesus has come for you. He has come to heal you, to restore you, to give you eternal life. So with gratitude in your heart, just pray this prayer to Jesus, my friend. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, let's all just pray it together out loud, okay? In case there's anybody in the room, it's okay if you're a little bit afraid. I know in America we, we get afraid of putting ourselves out there, but this is... This is a moment when we as the church can all come around people who might be wanting to make this decision right now. Let's all just pray this prayer, even if you've already committed before. Let's pray this prayer with our new friend in the kingdom and just say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today, God, I repent of all my sin. I turn my heart to you, God, and I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me speak to you for a moment. If you actually prayed that prayer today and you meant it, let me share this with you. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one person that does that than over 99 people that go to church on Sunday. The angels in heaven rejoice right now. We rejoice with you because Jesus is alive and he's alive in you. That's the best news that you've ever heard. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're a, a new follower of Jesus today, get connected with one of the churches represented here. Make sure you, you stay in community and in relationship with others. is impossible with you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for how you move. Hallelujah. Can somebody praise the Lord? <laughs> Hallelujah, all you saints. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's here. He's alive. He's moving. Please don't let this end today. Take this into your neighborhood. Take this into your families. Take this into our city for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the king. Let us be a people who are marked by God. Let us be a people who have a testimony right in our hand to say, Jesus moved in my life. Because he moved in my life, he can move in yours. Let it be so, Jesus. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Wow, that was some message. The fullness and the power of God. Two things we all need more of. A big thanks to Mary and Seth for leaning in, hearing from God, teaching and challenging us. If you have any questions about what you heard today, you can always reach us through Facebook if you search Big C Ministries. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.